0: up guys um today's episode is a little bit different um we get awesome questions over on patreon so every once in a while we like to um just do an episode on the podcast from the questions that we get on patreon because they, they bring up so much and um just help us talk through some really difficult um stuff so what we're gonna do is just go down the list and answer the questions so take it away ashlyn
1: okay First question, what do you do when you don't feel like you want to emotionally connect and be vulnerable with your spouse?
0: Okay. That's a massive question.
1: (laughs) You, you, uh,
0: you get into recovery, (laughs) but no, seriously, um, that is a good question because so many people relate to that.
1: Well, and it's, I think that's more of a human marriage issue than just recovery alone, right?
0: True. But then you add betrayal on top of it and it makes it that much harder to want to connect. Um, There's a process of healing that takes place. So I could give you a checklist of five things that you should do, and then, you know, it's going to help you with the connection. But actually, um, first and foremost, safety needs to be established, um, and trust needs to be established in that relationship. Healing, grieving, um, working through that trauma so that you can get beyond the trauma um, and, 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 and start to grow because you've been through that trauma um, and I could go on and on with the process of healing but the first thing that you need to do is your own work in terms of um, starting to come to some acceptance of where things are at um, making sure that you love yourself making sure that you accept yourself making sure that you have boundaries um, just the basic things that you can create some safety in your life
1: Okay. I'm going to add Kobe's not here but he would say to this something he's been saying a lot lately. I wish I would I had started earlier in the trauma work. Therapy that he's currently doing. Yes, you know we've taken years off therapy, and now he's like, "Wait, there's still these knots that I want to undo," and he's using trauma work to get through it. And not that we didn't before, right? But we waited quite a while to dig into that EMDR or ART, right? So and it seems, kinda, it seems kind of it seems kind of backwards, like
0: what you're saying, Ashton, in that you know how do I? I don't want to emotionally connect to my spouse. What should I do? And we're saying, go connect to your self and work through your own trauma um and so there is another side to it which is um them working their recovery and being healthy so that you're both healthy so you can start really being intimate and connecting um if they're not then you'll connect to yourself you'll get healthy and you'll realize you need some boundaries and you'll the relationship will actually push apart which is a good thing for the partner's healing because they're moving forward but ultimately it's not good for the relationship unless both partners are willing to do their own work.
1: Yeah. All right. From my husband, as I am working on my sex addiction recovery, I am also experiencing outbursts of anger. Can the anger issues be resolved by the work that I'm doing in my addiction recovery?
0: Absolutely. So, and and what he's experiencing is totally normal. So what's happening is, if you've, been, if you've had an addiction for years and years and years, then all of a sudden you stop that behavior. Um, you're taking away somebody's mechanism they've used to cope. Yeah. Not in a healthy way. Um, they haven't coped. They've numbed out. But at least it's done something for them to just like numb out and, and stop feeling. And anger is a secondary emotion. When you take away the acting out, the emotions start to be felt. The anger can start up. Um, when you get into recovery and you're living a balanced life where you're connected to yourself, managing your emotions as they come, living with a growth mindset, um, then you're not going to be an angry person. You're going to love yourself. You're going you're to be connected to God's self and others, and you won't have those outbursts.
1: Yeah, and I feel like as we've, even as the betrayed, to step into recovery work it's helped with a lot of different areas of life, like you're mentioning parenting, yeah. work, and our relationship. And so it's, I think, all-encompassed. So, yes, uh, you can work on that anger and the outburst by being mindful and showing up and being that curious and reflective that we have, we're all compelled to do because of yes. these pains that we've been through. Absolutely. Okay, next question. What are your thoughts on saying sobriety is not recovery? Uh,
0: listen to episode.
1: What is it, number three or? Yeah, sobriety versus. Yeah, recovery? sobriety versus
0: recovery. Um, sobriety is not recovery, uh, period, and very different things. Sobriety is is an important part of living a life of recovery, but it may not be as important as you think that it is. Um, people think that it's synonymous, and it's so not.
1: So when you say that, you're saying like. If you, d- if you slip, or sorry, relapse, however you want to define it, then you're not in recovery. When in truth, you can relapse and be in recovery.
0: Yeah, and that's a hard thing to hear if you're a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also be extremely sober for a long time and be raging out in your addiction. Yeah. Um, you know, a dry drunk, somebody who's still... Um, really angry and disconnected in their life and the attachment disorder is just running wild but what do you know they're white knuckling their way to some sobriety that's not recovery Um, so somebody who's in recovery who relapses um, one sobriety really is a byproduct of recovery it will start to happen for long periods of time if not for good if somebody's in real recovery But if somebody in real recovery does relapse, they are vulnerable, they're transparent, they own it quickly, and they make adjustments and (coughs) learn and grow from that relapse big time and strengthen themselves. And so yes, that is, and and we could talk about this in many different ways. Um, So check out our episode. Yes. But yes, sobriety and recovery are two different things.
1: Okay, next question. We got um, two questions that were similar, so I just kind of used one of them. I'm in a three-year relationship and don't feel physically attracted to my partner anymore. I've used porn for six to eight years and have been sober for two years. Um, I'm attempting... Oh, it's tempting for me to look at attractive women. And I find it hard to give genuine compliments to my partner about their physical asper- appearance. Every time I do, I ask myself internally and try to confirm whether I um, find something physically otherwise attractive about them, and I never feel that I can say anything nice about them. And then every time I don't give a compliment, they feel worthless and inadequate, and this makes sense and makes me feel anxious. How can I work on this and give genuine compliments?
0: Um, that's a really good question, and there's probably a lot of background to it. Um, one thing that I would really look at is, um, you gotta be honest, true to yourself. So if you're not attracted to someone, definitely don't tell them that you are. Um, and, but you don't have to go out of your way to, to trigger them all the time and say, well, you know, she's much more attractive than you are, anything like that. Um, but like really evaluate, um, why you're in that relationship and how you feel about your partner. And it doesn't do her any favors if you pretend and you act like you're attracted and you act like you're into it when you're not.
1: Well, right? I remember having a therapy session, and I believe we have an episode on this. I don't, I'm terrible with our titles, but where I said to Kobe, I wasn't attracted to him. Right. Where I had that. And we've gone both ways where he's like, I don't love you anymore. I'm not attracted. And I think the ownership and stepping in and accepting, I don't want to be here, but this is where I'm at. Right. But we had to help the help of our therapist to say, okay, now let's figure this out. Right. Instead of just doing that dance of
0: making each other feel really bad. Right. But the pain and rejection is so hard. So. If I'm a partner who's been betrayed and you know been cheated on and then and then my partner's telling me, well, I'm not even attracted to you. It's like, okay, hey, I've already been hurt and cheated on. And now you're telling me, basically you did that because you're not attracted to me. And if I have my own trauma and my own shame that says I'm not attractive, you know, then, then it just it snowballs into mm-hmm. this just big ball of fear and shame. And, and the relationship doesn't represent something that makes you feel alive and empowered. It represents all of your failures and all the reasons why you'll be abandoned. And, and so from the partner's side of things, whether you say it or whether you don't, they can probably feel whether you're, you're mm-hmm. attracted to them or not. Um, and it's good for you to be honest, but it's also good for you to be aware of their shame and their pain and allow them to feel that um and and not try to fix it so
1: yes I would definitely agree and you can I think come back from this um this is something that Kobe and I both have struggled with and come to and find that compassion and love for each other again in a very real way so um I will say this though it definitely came from within not from each other (laughs) Um, okay next question I think my husband is sitting in victim mode He's mopey all the time and blaming me for his shortcomings. When he walks in the room, he looks at me and starts to cry. I'm super codependent and I'm trying super hard to not spiral into depression like I've done in the past. What can I do while he is in this mode?
0: Um. So good for you that you, you recognized your lack of boundaries in your relationship. Um, so when he's depressed or moping around or or whatever he's doing um how can you be boundary so what what that means is how can you allow him to be him and where he's at but still be empowered to be you and not take on his depression and turn it into your depression um so so how can you still feel alive How how can you still move forward how can you still feel beautiful and and all of those things despite where he's at. And I, I would really focus on you and not taking on his stuff. Also don't caretake for his depression. Um care about him, support him, connect to him, but don't caretake. And you know what I mean by that, Ashlyn?
1: Well I'm go ahead and finish and I'll tell you my thought. Um
0: caretaking would be thinking that you gotta change something or fix something so that he will not be depressed anymore. Um that's not true. Um, And so don't take that on and don't take the blame on and believe that.
1: Yeah. I think of Rob Weiss, uh, who is going to be on the podcast soon. And he talks about this idea of, okay, take out the betrayal and the addiction. Do you love your partner? Would you show up for your partner, make an appointment for your partner if they had cancer and were sick? You probably would. Right. And so it's like that zoom out and you can still show up for your partner even when they are in that place of my life is the worst, and this is, you know, a lot of it's your fault. Right. Without mother mode. Yes. Right? Yes.
0: I love that, Ashley.
1: Okay. Next question. Um, I've been on a path of recovery for almost three years, living with an addiction for 40 years. I'm currently living in Cambodia, and the resources here for recovery are very limited. Your podcasts help to provide a way, a ray of hope for restoration in my marriage. I understand the need to have regular counseling sessions to work in these areas of my life. And it's representing a bit of a challenge here. I wonder if you could recommend anything available via video. Yeah. So,
0: um, yeah, you can contact Ashton and Kobe, um, and you do calls, right? Yes, Not therapy, but yeah, for, for coaching. And, um, Check out Therapy Utah. We do online stuff, um, therapyutah.org, and uh, we can get you some some counseling. And, and so there's th- those available resources. Um, uh, one thing to consider, and, and obviously I'm a big believer in therapy because I'm a therapist. Cambodia, I've never been there, and I would say there's a lot of resources there for recovery. And the reason I'd say that is one we got the internet now, so you can get educated and and you know you can listen to our podcasts and things like that. But there's things that are so helpful and important for recovery that have nothing to do with meeting with a therapist. That's true. Um, you could take a half an hour a day and meditate and just sit in the jungle of Cambodia and and connect to God. Um, you can exercise, you can get good sleep. Um, you can set some bottom lines for yourself around, um, you're acting out behaviors. And so there's a ton of things that you can do. A therapist is not going to fix you. A therapist is there to give you tools and to support you, but will not fix you. So do all of the fixing stuff that you have control over on your own in Cambodia. And I know that might s- not sound very empathetic um, about no, living but in Cambodia. I but
1: think it sounds empowering because there's so much that we do on her own. And I look at my therapist as this third party who can make sense sometimes out of what I can't see for myself. Right. Like give me the, the lenses to see. Um, but yeah, she doesn't fix anything. You are the leader. You <laughs> are
0: the leader of your recovery, right? Right. Yes. And Cambodia sounds really cool by the way. So <laughs> good for you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, this one's pretty close. Um, but I think, yeah. We are in an area where resources and um, even groups are very scarce and our finances are very low as well. What are basic recovery skills that we can access without having to put thousands of dollars into this? Maybe just basic recovery, which is kind of what you were just yeah. saying. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just um, saying. I'm, I'm also going to put out there a couple of there's, like you said, the internet has given us so many free resources, um, they do 12-step groups you can call into, and it's free. You can live anywhere. Right. Um, you just got to find them. Um, if you aren't in in a place where you can financially commit to something like this, that's why we created the Shattered to Thriving program, is for people in your circumstance that don't live in a place where they can have all the things but still want all of the things. Right. <laughs> and so yes. it's it's not therapy, but we are teaching you a lot of the skills that we have done on our own to To make it to where we're at.
0: I, I, uh, you know, yeah, shattered, to, shattered to thriving, um, is, uh, awesome. And it still costs money, right? Yeah. Um, but it's so much more affordable than, oh. than weeks of therapy. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I do want to say this. I was just, I was just talking to my assistant and she was saying, she was talking about some clients and she was saying, well, they can't come to a group at that time, and they don't want to pay that amount of money. And, um, and the time that we have, we've really thought through. Like It's probably the most available time for, for people. And what's interesting is this, is the people that I see really thrive in their recovery are the ones that want it. So they're the ones that say, I'm going to make this a priority um, I'm going to make it priority some with our finances and with our time and so I'm going to have to cut out other things of my life so that I can make sure that I focus here because it's really important and so I'm not saying that so you, you all go spend a bunch of money on therapy that's not what I, why I'm saying it but the point being um, it's a process it's hard mm-hmm. and it takes time and resources to go through that change and um, and so where you can make the space available to do it. So Shattered to Thriving, I forget the
1: price on it, but we have a, a discount for yes, Valentine's Day. for Valentine's. So the code is just VALENTINE. Is it all caps? Yes, all caps. <laughs>
0: all caps, VALENTINE. And you get a big discount for our six-week Shattered to Thriving program. Yeah, and it's a one-time um,
1: fee. So it might be in your budget and just say we're going to do this. Um and and make it happen like you said prioritize and i feel like it's like that with everything hard in life right, right. whenever we want to make a change it's not easy and, and if it were easy the, the resistant yes the resistance i guess and so if it were easy we'd all be exactly what we want to look like and be feel all the ways we want to feel that's true right yes. and so most of us are are really struggling to wake up to say hey i want to show up in this with this this way but we're prioritizing it you're right and that's all it is Yep. So, okay. Um, next question. My husband disclosed his affair over a year ago, um, and it was on last year on Valentine's Day he wrote a love letter to his affair partner. I found it, and that did not go over well. He tried to sell it as it was a goodbye letter, and now with Valentine's coming up, I'm kind of dreading it. How do I navigate the hard days that are obviously triggering? Um, we've talked uh, talked about the letter in the past. And he tells me that that's how he felt. And there's that part of him that still exists. Um, how do I do this?
0: <laughs> so Ashton, I think you, you've been through this. I have. So what, how have you done it?
1: Um, mm, it's not like one answer, but I will say this. So it's only been a year since this triggering day. This Valentine's might still be hard. Um, so, so let it be hard. Let it be hard. And it's that acceptance of, I'm going to be sad. I'm still grieving that this is how my spouse showed up. I'm still grieving that this is where our marriage is. Um, I also took, um, I had that first year was hard uh, f- for different reasons, different day. But to say, okay, well, let's find some good. Right. What have we done in a year since then? And maybe there has been some really great things shown up in your marriage in recovery and outside of recovery and just finding some truth and some good when it feels really heavy and really hard and it's okay to feel heavy and hard. Um, but I will say this, I had that heavy and hard day and it was just that. And then I moved on and the next year I planned ahead and it's that body keeps the score, right? Whether I realize it or not, I have a, a note, a reminder in my phone that says, this is your, D-Day or whatever. Um, it is not at all that day anymore. And right. that's what's cool for me is when that reminder pops up and says, hey, it's D-Day, I have zero clue that it's D-Day. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that to me is like, holy cow, like, okay, let's mm. make that list of how great things are. Right, right, right. Um, three years after D-Day, we planned a whole trip to redo that bad experience, day. Like yeah, that and day. say, we're going to make it like a really great experience. We're going to kind of re remake those memories. Right. And so it has, that can just go away and it's part of our story, but it's not where I'm living.
0: Right. Awesome.
1: Okay. Um, next question. I don't want this in my life and I've been doing really well in my recovery the last several months, but I feel lately that what my wife says and does can trigger me back to addictive behaviors. So sounds like that tug of war of, I don't want this. But, yeah, you're making me want this.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, so, so there's a lot, there's some work to, to do here. Uh, just that last part of that question, um, you know, I'd really look at your, um, I'd look at your shame and your trauma um, and, and why are you being triggered by your wife still and what parts of you are there still to work on to love about you. Um, so so what your wife does um she's she's not to blame for, for that. And I think this guy probably understands that, right? Um so but but it's good this this is good stuff for you to look at. Um why are you still triggered? Where do you struggle to stand on your own two feet and know who you are? Um and to to be able to allow her to feel what she feels. Um and so yeah, uh
1: I don't know if I'm answering the question anymore. Tell me this. I'm just curious. How normal is it for you once you're trying to make this shift and you're feeling like I'm in recovery, but yet you still have some of those pulls? I want to go back to the addiction that's comfortable or. Oh, oh. It's it's normal, right? Very normal.
0: Yeah, very common. Um, But if you're really working a solid recovery, even when you get those triggers and those urges to to go back, um, you don't really entertain them. So, um, but it's normal to be triggered by your wife. Um, emotionally it's and 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 so it's totally normal but what you want to look at is is what's underneath that okay awesome real recovery is not sobriety real recovery is healthy attachment and connection so when you say I'm in recovery maybe you're not fully in recovery if you're having a hard time attaching Mm. because your spouse is triggering you all the time right okay so
1: so it's that transition state where it's like oh this is so uncomfortable right how do we figure this out um okay next question i am struggling to attend church because i feel so disconnected and isolated and some of the discussions are very difficult because people don't understand what we are going through and when people ask me how i'm doing i don't know how to answer appropriately and i either overshare or avoid and it's just uncomfortable any tips for navigating this area of my life while I heal? I really don't want to go. It's a great question. Yeah, I'm um,
0: common too. Um, y- there's a lot going on behind the scenes in your life, and how do you talk about it openly and get support? And um, and church is a very triggering place in so many ways. Um, so i I do have an answer okay. to that question. I don't. I don't know if you have thoughts, Ashley. I have
1: you? mine, but I want to hear yours. <laughs> I have my
0: experience. Check in with your truth, okay? Not your fear. So trust your gut and your intuition. May, maybe you need to take a break from church for a little while. And I, I know that all your shoulds will come up and say, what did he just say? Like, that's a bad thing. How can that be helpful? Well, if your gut's telling you that you just need some space and God's telling you that, then take in a... Now, would God ever tell you to take a break from church? I don't know. Maybe. Um but the point being is for you to really trust yourself. Maybe God's telling you and your intuition is telling you to, to double down and get more involved in church and, and to be a little more open and connected so you can get support there. Um, but really stop and check in with yourself as to why, why do you go to church? What's the whole point in the first place? I'm not going to get into like a, a you know, theological discussion here about that, but... But really, why do you go? Yeah, And hopefully the answer that you can come to is, I choose to go to church because it, it enlightens me. I feel support and I feel connection to God. And it, and if you feel that, then by all means, like go. Yeah. Um, so
1: I have f- to say, it's funny you say that, because last week in our Bible study class, th- the instructor said, why are you here today? Uh. And it was the most interesting thing to hear the answers. A lot of them were, my wife made me come. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, people are really showing up and being authentic to why I'm here. And I, I'm here for strength or guess what? I'm here just because she made me. Right. But they were being honest. So I will say this. You are not alone. Right. Okay. Um, Second, you don't have to be uh, religious to be spiritual. So a lot of times that's what can be messy and, and triggering. So, okay. I took a break from church and. Sinner. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I still chose to commune with God in a different way. Right. Um, I would also say it's important, and this is kind of across the board, w- the whole, like, I'm either oversharing or I'm totally not being honest and avoiding it. I do think it's important to talk to your partner, and Kobe and I have had these conversations because we're at a funky place um, with, st- with spirituality and religion, and I've said, I need a phrase I need to know what to say when people ask, right? How right, are right. you? That's good. Because I don't know how I am. So be right prepared
0: now. for some of those yeah. questions. And just yeah.
1: being able to talk about it and wait, who are the people you're sharing with? Because I don't want the next door neighbor to know yeah. what's going on, but maybe I do. Right. And I think it's important for that, that trust right there That's to good, say, Ashlyn. I'm sharing with this person, not with that person. Yeah. Um, okay. And to be clear, we will have an episode on faith and that struggle and transition from an expert, which I'm really excited about. So Thomas McConkie. Um, okay. Next question. How, um, okay. What is the best way for the betrayed to disclose a discovery of betrayal without coming across as accusatory or pushing the addict into defense or denial? Uh, what's the best way to get an honest disclosure from them about the discovery?
0: It's a really good question. Great question, um, and it's it's kind of uh, hard to answer across the board because your your partner is is different than someone else's, um, but you y- you can take. Well now, when I say a soft approach, I'm not saying a weak approach. Okay. So if you come accusatory and in and, and in drama, then that's going to get met with defensiveness. But if you come and you say, look, this is what I found. This is how I feel. Um, This is how it looks to me. Yeah. Um, And I just want to give you a chance to to tell me what's going on and to explain this. And I want to listen. Yeah. Um, That's much different than you cheater, liar, you know. I've
1: never done that. (laughs) Ever. Right. Just kidding. Um, I did a lot.
0: (laughs) So um, also understand with this question, I want you to understand that it's okay to be pissed off. It's okay to be frustrated. If I if I found out today that my wife was cheating on me, it it would hurt a lot and it would piss me off probably. So I don't need to go take that aggression or anger out on her with that. But I need to understand that that emotion's there for a good reason and it's important for me to listen to. So. It's not to just say, yeah, just subdue that, pretend like it's not there, and then go be nice about it. Um, maybe you don't need to be nice, um, but don't, don't make the problem worse. Yes. Right? So be a safe person, but be honest with how you're feeling.
1: I'm going to add to this, Brandon. You can agree or disagree. Um, I often, when these things happened, I would go to just, like, ruminate in my head, and that didn't help. Or I would go to a friend or a group and ruminate with them and get all the validation of like he is the worst. Yeah. Okay. What really did help me wasn't those things, but to just okay, what do I feel? Right. What is the story I'm making up? What is my fear about this? And then taking it to Kobe, Um, in a like softer way, bring down the emotion. I can still feel really hurt and upset without screaming and name calling. Right. So, um, Kobe always responded best when I. Could show up how I really wanted to show up. Yes. Um, okay, last question. In what ways is your Shattered to Thriving program different or similar to 12-step program? Oh, c-
0: completely different than 12-step. And, and I'm not saying that to rip on 12-step. I love 12-step. Um, completely different, though. So um, a 12-step program is it's kind of like the spiritual side of, of healing. There's a lot of surrender to it. There's a lot of, uh, y- you go to a 12-step group, you get a sponsor. Uh, our Shattered to Thriving program is um, all about teaching um, individuals in a relationship to show up in their power, um, to show up authentic, and, s- and start to rebuild trust after betrayal and um, really start to build that trust build start that trust building process and so it's all about attachment and connection but it's also about self-empowerment as well um so we've gotten just incredible uh, feedback about shattered to thriving and uh just just really good reviews and it kind of stands on its own and walks a couple through a process that is is very powerful and um you know, we've gotten questions too, like, should I do this if my partner's not that engaged? And even the people that have gone forth and done it on their own have learned how to show up more powerful in their, in their relationship and, and healing. So, uh, it's, it's quite a bit different than 12 step and 12 steps great too, but, uh, I definitely recommend our shattered to thriving.
1: Yeah, and, and I would say just to add to that, shattered to thriving to me is more actionable. Yes. Whereas twelve step, there's still homework, right? Of like go and sit with this. And sure, but yeah. But it's like, oh no, here's your homework. Here's your questions, and now we want you to share it with your partner. And yes, um, tools, it's just a different tools,
0: skills, also the underlying philosophies of yes. attachment, and just, just it's. It's awesome. So go check it out. Valentine is the discount code. How and long will that go, by the
1: way? Friday. Oh, six days. <laughs> S- 16th. Till til the 15th. We're asking our
0: producer, <laughs> Matt. Goes I don't know what
1: numbers look like. <laughs>
0: so That goes to the 15th. Um, February 15th. And, and Matt, one, one <laughs> more question for you while we got you here. Uh, payment plan. Is there a payment plan still? Okay, so we can set up a payment plan where you don't have to pay it all at once. Yeah, it'll be a little bit more than the discounted price, but you don't have to pay the big chunk all at once. And when we're talking big chunk, uh, we're not talking thousands of dollars. We're talking much less than that.
1: The value's there, but we're not making you pay that. (laughs) Yes. Okay, wait, Brandon, before we end, I do want to share the next episode of the podcast. We have a special guest who's breaking open the trust and femininity that maybe we're all struggling with so i'm excited to have her on it's shannon and she'll be with us next week all right all right you guys See Thank you have a great day